Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master Hello and Happy New Year and welcome to Sega Talk episode 61. I'm Barry, with me is George. 61? Yeah, we are on 61. Hello, are you? Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought 70, I don't know why. I, I have no idea why. And, and how fitting, because our last episode was on Sega's 60th, and if we're just going by calendar years, this is Sega's 61st, so if we just do one of these episodes a year, we'll be in sync with Sega. That's true. Um, so, you know, sound off in the comments if you want one-year episodes and it gives us a big break. Um, but for this episode, we're going to be talking about Sega multi-purpose arcade cabinets, or candy cabinets, as they are called, and those span 1986 to 2005. At least that's what we're talking about. But before we get into that, um, if you like what we do, if you like our show, um, you can support us on Patreon. We have a Patreon there. You can get this episode and all the Sega Talk episodes about a week in advance. Um, any tier gets you the ability to leave a little comment um, or a memory, and we read it at the end. And I say little, but you read some of the ones we get, <laughs> and uh, they're they're pretty long because we have some pretty uh, devoted Sega super fans. Um, another thing I just want to do real quick: we have not done this in a long, long time. But do you remember the days of the Swing and Report show? Um, which is kind of like on hold, I guess. It's it's never dead. Um, where we would say what we've been playing. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, what have you been playing, George? I have been playing uh, 13 Sentinels on the PlayStation 4, and I've actually been finishing up the late game for Yakuza Like a Dragon, so I've been doing mm-hmm. like the little things. I'm I'm like super addicted to that game's gameplay, so I've been trying to do the, the Komarocho Dungeon. The, last night I finished that. It has a nice little surprise in the end, so it was pretty sick. Um, and uh, 13 Sentinels is like a visual novel game, which is kind of weird with like this really nice art style. So far, I'm confused, but I, everybody tells me <laughs> online that that's like, kind of like what this game's about, kind of, you know? Uh, confusing right. you. So right. it's like you have 14 different characters and their narratives are also... It's like a time travel plot where they're all supposed to kind of connect in certain ways, so kind of mm-hmm. confusing. But yeah. Oh wow. You? I'll have to check that out. Me, um, I wanted to bring this up because I finally played Lego Dimensions Sonic the Hedgehog, which it's like five Whoa. years too late. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's what I was gonna um, say. Yeah, I, I picked it up at like a discount shop for I think like fifteen or twenty bucks, but it was the Wii U version. And then I looked mm-hmm. online, you can use the Wii U one with the PS4. So I looked and a local GameStop had the game for five bucks. So you know, I, I got everything hooked up and I played it and it's like insanely good. Like the game itself is janky and broken, but oh, it's yeah, so yeah. forgiving. Like if, if you've ever played those Lego games, you can die and you come right back. Like there's no lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no penalty. And the Sonic stuff, like the level of fan service that they're throwing at you, it's just like next level. It's like I'm not, e- not even Sonic Generations did some of the stuff they do like not not just in like the visuals and in like the cameos but like the dialogue like they give you a chance to destroy the barrel from uh the carnival zone carnival night zone oh. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and then 
And then, like, Knuckles makes all these, like, references, and he starts, like, rapping while he's battling. He starts, like, quoting his uh, Sonic Adventure 2 raps. It's just, like... And then there's a big open world after you defeat the main game, and it's, like, the, the Sonic Jam world, but, like, insanely big, and you just run around. And it's and just, like... <laughs> where is what this What is this on? Yeah, what is this on? Just Wii U, right? Wii U, right? And it was supposed to be like PS4, an add-on? PS4, Wii U, um, Xbox One, and Xbox 360. Yeah, and this was supposed to be like an add-on for the, like that uh, toy service game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that Sega never teamed up with Legos and did a full-fledged just like game of this, right? right? I'm, yeah, it's... it's, and, it's and I'm like, I'm... I'm looking forward to the 30th anniversary, but I'm like, I really hope they do something like this where it's just like big, fun, open world. You look at all these fan projects and it's just like they're nailing it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's my little aside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, um, and I, I had to infuse a little Sonic because we're not going to be talking about Sonic on this show, guys. I know it's a Sonic drought. Um, Turn it but off. hey, anyway, welcome to Sega Talk. Happy 2021. We are kicking off the new year with this episode that's going to be a little different. So when Sega Talk began, we knew we'd be covering games, but we also planned to cover cover things like hardware, events, and people. You know, that, that Yu Suzuki episode, I think it's just around the corner. Um, mm. But on this show, we are dipping into hardware, and we're going to discuss the many multi-purpose arcade cabinets, or candy cabinets as they're called, by Westerners from Sega. And... You know, so for the sake of catchy titles, I might throw Astro City in the in the description or something, you know, to get the clicks. But really, that's just like a small bit to this this big story of multi-purpose arcade cabinets from Sega. So, um, multi-purpose arcade cabinets, which I'm going to be saying a lot because I think it's it's a much better term than candy cabinets, um, are exactly yeah. Would <laughs> I feel like Data from Star Trek? But you know, got to call them what they are. Um, they're exactly what you expect. So they're a cabinet that can be used for a variety of games, and in some instances, it offers owners the opportunity to like oper- uh, to alter elements such as the controls, the marquee, um, and things like that to accommodate certain games. So, like for example, you're not going to have a game that uses a joystick and one button, and it's one player, but the machine itself has two players with eight buttons each. You know, like someone's not going to walk up there and go. Well, where's the second player? Why don't these other buttons work? Like, we're used to that as console gamers, where it shows, like, buttons grayed out, you know? Yeah. Um, but in an arcade, you want to make it simple. And so they gave those options to people, to arcade operators. And that's why, you know, you, you'll see these, and they never really appear to be the same, even though they look very similar. Um, but uh, the thing you need to remember, though, is that you shouldn't confuse like multi-game arcade machines, like the ones that you use for home use that have like MAME running like thousands of games. That's not these. Um, the machines we're covering, they're meant to accommodate a variety of games, but typically it's only one game at a time. But like if you go to arcades like at Galloping Ghost, they will put two games in one cabinet and there's like a switcher button. That's like a little trick that you usually do not see that at an arcade. Can, can you get um, um, arrested for doing that? Like, do the, like, <laughs> police come in and they're like, oh, no. Well, you know, I, I didn't put it in the notes here, but there are, like, a lot of rules and regulations. Like, um, for example, 
when they were shipping these machines, there were uh, laws in Japan stating that you had to ship it with a game. Um, but since they're oh, shipping yeah. these things, yeah, yeah, and that's what that um, dot dot run game in the Astro City Mini is. It's just this basic game that they put on the hardware that's there so that it technically legally is a game machine. And it's also a good way to test the controller and everything. So yeah, I um, agree with that one. But, you know, I I mean you got to imagine like there's a it's a whole other world. Like we're console gamers, um but imagine all the red tape Sega has to work with with like uh gambling in different countries, like what counts as gambling, what doesn't. All this crazy oh, stuff. Yeah. But um so, so past Sega Talk episodes, though, we've covered arcade games that typically featured like a full-body experience machine like Hang-On or OutRun or dedicated arcade machines. Like, remember Mon- Monkey Ball with the banana joystick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, many Sega arcade games never actually saw their own dedicated cabinet or they would see release in both a dedicated cabinet and a multi-purpose arcade machine. And I think, like... Just in doing the research for this, I thought it would be a really dry subject, but there are so many things that I now understand about the arcade side of gaming and a arcade side of Sega, like just like a minor things like Arabian Fight. I was always like, what does the arcade machine look like? I can't find a picture. I don't think there was one. I think it was just a marquee that they slapped yeah. on. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it I've got seen. a Western release. So what my, my first question for us here then is, when did you really become aware of these types of arcade machines? And how do you think this concept compares to like what we have here in America? I found out about them when I was like uh, reading through EGM when I was younger. Like uh, those kind of mm-hmm. magazines when they would do like their Japanese stories where they would go to bars and they would tell their little stories of arcades basically in Japan. And right. I was always kind of... I, like there was, I thought that the candy, I guess they call them candy cabinets. I, I've literally never heard that name before, so I'm surprised that it's a, it's an actual thing. But yeah. these candy cabinets, uh, I always thought they were really striking. They had a really unique look to them. I've also seen that Capcom has, I mean, maybe Capcom or Konami, but they they mm-hmm. both have their own version of these kind they of cabinets. Do, yeah. yeah, and I I just thought that Sega's version, maybe some Sega fanboy, but was more striking. I thought the pink, the green, the the name, even Astro City, um, which is the most popular one. And they mm-hmm. also have the Versus one that I remember seeing a lot of. I mean, I remember seeing it a lot in like some media in Japan. So uh, all those little things I liked. As far as America, I always thought American machines, after seeing these, look really ugly. We mm-hmm. had like those ugly, like uglier joysticks. We had like, they're always made out of wood. They always had that one design. Right, they seemed more yeah. like relaxing to play because they had the the stool. They were shorter, so you could sit. In American mm-hmm. ones, it was just like you had to stand there, and they were always like that. And that's it. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. It, it's like they wanted to cut costs for Americans so that they didn't have to have little stools sitting around. Um, but yeah, for me, I became aware of these probably ten, maybe fifteen years ago. So when um. When I kind of like when I was kind of out on my own, had my own money, all that kind of stuff, I was like, I really want to get a Sega arcade machine. And so I was looking online and I was finding these places that sold these machines 
but I was like, it doesn't have a specific game. They said stuff like we can wire it for um, like HDMI or um, uh, like what does the Dreamcast use? The um, uh, VGA. Uh, VGA, yeah, yeah. And so they were like, you can stick your Dreamcast inside of it. And then as time went on, I was like, well, there's different ones. So they they had like the Net City, they had the Astro City, and I was like, Net City looks bigger and cooler. Maybe I'll get a Net City. Like what what are the like? I didn't know what the difference was. I was so confused. And then they stopped selling them. So, you know, I never actually got one. I don't think I ever would have. They were a couple thousand. Um, yeah. But it's just, it, it was such a strange concept to me. Um, whereas here in America, like, obviously the OutRun arcade machine has the big art on the side. Now, you're not going to see OutRun on one of these because they didn't have, like, the racing wheel. But you'd see other games, like, um, I'm trying to think, like, uh, Golden Axe could go mm. on one of these. But in America, obviously, we have our Golden Axe machine. We have our Shinobi machine. And it, it's such a different way to go about it because it's like if you have this machine, you are stuck with it. And if you want a different game, you might be able to put new decals on the side and a new marquee up top. But I don't really know if that's how they sold them because imagine like how many times you're going to slap a sticker on the side of the cabinet, you know? Um, yeah. I I did see like kind of ones that looked just very... Uh, uh, nondescript. It would just say like Namco or Sega on the side. And I think thinking back, that's kind of the American equivalent where it's just like a, a basic one that you just replace the marquee. But there's, like you said, like they're very boring looking. Like I, I have a huge affinity for American arcades and for the cabinets, but I look at an Astro City cabinet and then I look at, you know, like your yeah. standard wooden stand-up, there's no competition. You know, it's the mm-hmm. it's like the difference between like a sports car and like a, a canoe. You know, it's just like <laughs> I have to. I agree, don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I I want to kick this off with the first. This is like the granddaddy. So we got a picture here of the city arcade cabinet. Now, before thing- the Astro City, you see this thing. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's uh, it's pretty primitive compared to uh, the slicker Astro City look. For sure, it's it's a little more squat. The screens tipped a little more back, and I I think the reasoning for this, and I'll get into it. So, this was just called the city. I have to imagine the name comes from the fact that, like, when you think of a city, there are lots of people, there's lots of buildings, there's lots of things in a city. So maybe the idea is that. The Sega City can have a lot of different games in it at, at different times, you know. Mm. So it's like it's it's not a it's not a dedicated game cabinet. It's for a lot of things. Maybe that was the the idea, and maybe when they got into Astro, it was more like, well, it's a little more space age, so we'll call it the Astro City. It's like a space city. I don't know. Um, but this thing really it kicked off Sega's line of multi-purpose cabinets. And releasing in 1986, it had a game release alongside with it called Dump Matsumoto, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, But the city was JAMA compliant. And before we continue, I think it's worth briefly talking about JAMA. Do you know what JAMA means? Uh, Yeah. No, I don't. What does it mean? If you peek at the notes, (laughs) you could. Uh, So Uh... JAMA stands for... Japan Amusement Machine and Marketing Association, Inc. So like I was saying, you know, that red tape, all the stuff they had to deal with. I knew that. There there was a very clear (laughs) standard set. And it's 
It's a wiring standard uh, created in the 80s that allowed arcade operators to swap out old games in the same machine just by changing out the the board. So I've got a picture here. Um, this is the uh, this is from a website called DIYArcade.com, and this is a JAMA harness. It supports full two-player six-button games. It also has, in their words, quick disconnects for joysticks, buttons, coin max sound, and more. So basically everything in the machine runs through this little component, which makes it very easy for you to, you know, plug the board in, make sure the certain, um, uh, I guess, circuit or certain uh, plugs are in place, and then you're good to go. It kind of um, looks like uh, something that would be connecting on a computer or something, right? Exactly, like just all yeah. simplified. Yeah, but it's all yeah, all simplified, all right there. And you can see here, I have two images. It's uh, this is like a JAMA board. I don't know what game this is, but then as you can see here, that's how the harness hooks into it. So it's kind of just, I I mean, I'd have to imagine you think of you know controller ports. They kind of had a standard there with Atari and Sega using the same ones for quite a while. It's just it makes things easier. Um, why reinvent it, especially? If, for example, um, and we'll talk about it again in a little bit, but you would have an Astro or a, or a City Sega City machine, and it might not have a Sega game on it. I mean, that's possible. You know, it's it's not something they're against. I think if anything, Sega's like, yeah, we just want to make the best hardware possible to contain the games that are out there. Um, that's but of pretty course, interesting. You, like, yeah, that they had the mindset of like, you know, like. They're not selling you a Sega machine like software separately, right? So like right. you could have you could have a Capcom. What were they called? I don't know if you remember if you've seen that in the notes, but whatever their multi-purpose arcade cabinet would be called, but have right. a Virtual Fighter game in it. That would have been right. I don't know. Yeah. That's so weird. the Capcom Capcom Candy cabinets. Um, I mean, they did they did exist. There is a website called Arcade Otaku. And um, they have a page, a list of candy cabinets. Now, Sega was not the most prolific. I would say SNK actually was. Oh, really? Um, SNK had quite the a few Astro models, though. one. I mean, they have this yeah. one. Um, I don't know. They have one locally here. It's a multi-purpose SNK one, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I, I forgot what the name is. But it has like this weird look with a wing on top, right? With the, For the marquee. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the the Capcom ones, I they were much bigger from what I see here. Um, but there are some that, you know, I mean, there was kind of a standard look and feel for these. It wasn't exclusive to Sega to have like the three little doors at the bottom, the controls here and the screen tipped back. But I think what Sega really excelled at was, I mean, you look at the Dreamcast for their home console designs, just the little details, like those little triangles going around the circle, the little swoops, like they really kind of did some next level stuff just when it came to object design. Um, Things that really did not matter in the end for the gameplay. Like it could be any one of these machines, but just the fact that Sega goes that little extra mile and gives it this really unique look. And that's why the Astro City, um, which we're just a few away from, we'll get there, um, is just so popular. But, uh, you know, with, with, um, so yeah, so I showed the JAMA and the JAMA harness. So with JAMA becoming more popular, um, games did not need their own specific cabinets. So the city was made to be installed and remain in place for star far longer than a standalone game. Uh, the city was also compact and lightweight. 
allowing for multiple units to be lined up in a row, which is a you know a very common picture you will see. And mm-hmm. despite their success, though, the city cabinets uh, have not have since become quite rare. You don't see them anymore. Um, you're not going to walk into a Japanese arcade and see a huge line of city cabinets. And the reason for that is um, that they just they they started pumping out revision after revision. And I think once the best revision came out, people kind of stuck with it. It's not like an arcade's going to go, we just bought 15 of these things. Let's dump them all and get another 15. And so that's kind of working against Sega. But I think as the arcade boom kind of happened, they were able to expand to the point where it probably just wasn't a major issue for them. Um, Cocktail cabinets, though, they were actually more common at the time. So we have a couple pictures here. Um... A a big problem, though, with these was that you had Mm. ceiling lights uh, causing glare. Um, And and if you look at the city, it's not like it's not like front. It's not like you're looking at a computer screen. It's still tilted quite a bit. And I think that's them trying to kind of win over the cocktail cabinet crowd where they're like, look, it's not completely upright. It's still tilted a little bit, you know, so it's like easing them in. What's that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being like the guy that plays on the cocktail, and they're like, "What? I can see the whole screen. There's no glare at all. This machine sucks." Like I know, and I, it's like I what? I love cocktail cabinets, but I just cannot imagine playing like anything bigger than like centipede. Like so, I'm looking at some of the pictures. Like this one was like it's like a shmup, like radiant yeah. silver gun. Um, yeah, 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 you know, I mean, maybe, maybe this is just some something at someone's house, but still, um, I, I mean, I would love to have one of these, like the first one. I, I really like that old style Sega eighties look, uh, uh, for the ca- coffee cabinet. And I would love to have it as a, like, you know, like, you know how you would have to, I mean, you could technically play all these games emulated. You don't have to have the mm-hmm. hardware, but it would be nice yeah. to have like that coffee cake cave uh table and then from the 90s having an astro city you know those two things oh, that'd be sweet for, yeah that'd be a right? sweet setup so and, and you mentioned that one so the ninth the one ones we're looking at there's 1983's t13 which sounds like a calculator name i don't know why they called it t13 um and the 1988's arrow table uh totally which, like big improvement on like at least the aesthetic huge. look yeah, and that supported up to four players. That's pretty cool. You can have two people and then two people. Um, so now we're getting into... Oh, yeah, and then I got a, this cool little thing here. So Yakuza 0, because it takes place in 1988, it has the city cabinet. So remember I said they're very rare. You're probably not going to see them anymore. It's pretty awesome yeah. that in Yakuza 0, they made this little time capsule... So you can actually see what an arcade would have looked like with the very first multi-purpose Sega upright cabinet. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I always like wish if they went even backer in time that they would like like just have like Periscope <laughs> or like whatever. Oh yeah. The time period. Well, just cool. do wait. They're gonna do like a Wild West one, and it'll be like like wooden toys and like <laughs> cards from Nintendo, Nintendo playing cards. You know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um. So we were talking. I wanted to talk about Dump Matsumoto. So oh, Dump yes. Matsumoto was a game that released alongside the City Cabinet. Westerners probably best know it as Pro Wrestling for the Master System, which I think is the game where the guy's like in the headlock, but the other guy's missing his head. He's holding his you know own head, one? right? It's he's, I think he's, he's holding his own. himself. 
Yeah, that's what it is. He like ripped his head off. So (laughs) (laughs) the game, it did see a Western arcade release. It was retitled as Body Slam, and it was released, interestingly enough, by the Sun Corporation, which is the parent company of Sunsoft, but it retained the Sega branding. Um, the The game sees players choosing between two teams. So there's the Fresh Gals and the Evil Alliance. And if you're wondering <laughs> who Dump Matsumoto was, she was a Japanese professional wrestler. I'm pretty sure this is a woman. Um, I'm sorry, I'm In not really picture? up on. Yeah, she's got boobs. <laughs> you know. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a. Uh, I have to look at it. I'll mm-hmm. make. I don't know. Who am I to uh, judge? Let me see. And but what what's really interesting is when you look at this flyer, 2250 Elmhurst Road, Elk Grove Village, Illinois. That's kind of near me, and I think I've been there. Like, I think I drove right up to it. So, I'm wondering, maybe Sega and Sun Corporation shared offices at one point in Illinois. Who knows? But now I'm going to go look for that address later. Um, You're going to go visit So, yeah, there's your little... What's that? You're going to go visit the the place and see? It's an office park. It's an office park. You know? So... 2250 Elmhurst Road. I'll have to remember that. Um, have you ever played this game on the Master System? Uh, I have not. Um, I'm not that that into wrestling games. Um, and the most that I played growing up that were wrestling usually were WWE branded because, you know, uh, the license is everything sometimes. Did you ever mm. play it? I haven't, but now I want to. Um, kind of like Ninja Princess. It's one of those games... Uh, that was like brought to the master system and just kind of dumbed down to just become a generic like ninja game. So in this one, mm. I just thought it was some generic wrestling game. But now that I know it's a port of the one of the first games to launch with these multi-purpose machines, it, it makes me want to check it out. Um, little update here. So I'm looking at where where Sunsoft was in Illinois. It I I have not been here, but it is a rinky dink little office park. And it looks Oof. like what's there now is Discount Paintball Inc. Ooh. And then I think I think the other stores are or the other offices are abandoned or for lease. But we should fly yeah. over there and do some paintballing at the old Sunsoft Corporation building. <laughs> Nothing good is there. There's a Thornton, so you can get your gas filled up, and you can go check out the old place where Dump Matsumoto was localized. <laughs> As Body Slam. Um, so moving on here then, we are getting closer and closer to that Astro City. But first, we have this guy. So this is the Aero City. And if you think about the name Aero City, remember we were talking about the cocktail cabinets where they had the um, Aero Table. So this is kind of a mashup of that table's name with the city cabinet. And you you do kind of see the um, aesthetics of that cocktail cabinet carrying over here. So you start to see those colorful buttons. Um, you see a little more of the design there. And this was released in 1988. The Arrow City, of course, it's the successor to the city. And like I said, you can already start to see that Astro City resemblance coming into play. This look became the standard for Japanese arcades in the 90s and 2000s with a clean white finish. Uh, the Arrow also saw an upgraded 26-inch monitor and was designed to better facilitate Sega System 24 arcade boards. So like we were saying, these could utilize other games, 
but they really made these easy to use with Sega games specifically. Um, so we have these flyers here, right? Do we have those up? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they have like this very like seventies aesthetic going like, like, I don't know, like this one right here. The first one reminds me of like, <clears throat> kind of like, um, the, what was that console called? The first one, the 1000, the SG 1000, the colors yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The art design. Um, but it also has this weird, like, what's this, like, it's kind of like a circle thing going on right here. It reminds me of something that you would see in, like, old psychedelic 70s comics and stuff. Oh, it reminds me of a spirograph. Remember those where you would put the little pen inside of the, like, little circle and then go in around and around and around? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, what I really oh, love about this flyer, though, if you go to page uh, two, you get really beautiful photos of... 80s Sega arcades, like totally set up and ready. Real people look how there. How clean this place is! Exactly, and look at those tiles. Look at those little pink tiles. I, I like, mean, just... I don't want to be, I don't want to be negative and say this, but sometimes when I see pictures of like American arcades, I could smell it even in like the height. You know, like when you see mm-hmm. those old 80s pictures, and it's like all the guys are like they're wearing short shorts from the 80s, but they they look yeah. like they just sweated and they were outside all day. This, I don't know, it just looks... I mean, I know it's promotional shots, but it's just like the floor is so clean, you know? It's well, it's so nice because, as you can see here, they're because they're tilted upwards, they can have this, like, really bright light coming down from above, and it doesn't bother you. Um, you look at some of these shots, too. There's, like, music notes on the walls. It's just such a beautiful, clean, fun... Look at the the that one there with the red wall. It almost looks like there's, like, a volcano kind of setting, you know, on the sky. Oh, yeah, um, this is definitely, like, brighter than... Have you ever been to an arcade that was super lit like this? Never, <laughs> I'm trying to think. never. No. Yeah. And I just, I... You know, you, you look at these flyers. Um, so one of the things Sega was really trying to address was a was negative perceptions at the time that arcades were dark and dirty. And as you can see oh. here, they throw all that out the window. And they present just such a fun, welcoming place that you know single guys and girls could go to families could go to it just looks so fun and it it does not it looks so inviting and i mean i I think i'm answering the question here i i think it it definitely kills all negative perceptions how about you what do you think about this place yeah it's obvious that that's the first thing you notice when you look at Mm -hmm. it is how uh you know bright and like how much natural light is going through there because they might have lights inside arcades, but it's usually, like, it's okay lit, but it's like you feel like you're trapped inside a, a room that has no <laughs> windows, no natural light. So it's like... Right. I get a, yeah, so... Yeah, this is nice. I like... They did a good job with the advertisements, for sure. That was what they were trying to do. But why do they always have, like, um, English? Was that is that a thing that... Very common over there? You know, I I can't say. Typically, they don't do these sort of flyers in two languages. My only guess is they were hoping to sell to other countries. And um, later on, we'll see that they actually had uh, European-specific machines. So it's it's clear that they they did break through in some markets. Um, Down below, you do see uh, they did have offices... um, here there's Sega Enterprises in San Jose, California, but it's just a P.O. box. 
um, Sega Enterprises in Japan, and then Sega Europe in, um, what is this, Middlesex. So, I mean, and, and what's interesting, too, is they pair it with the arrow table. So there was cl- a clear product line going out there. So they're like, you get your your cocktail cabs, you get your, your city cabinets, and you build these beautiful arcades. Um, and while we're sure to cover a System 24 game in more detail in a future Sega Talk, I think it's worth just mentioning some of the games that use this board, some that actually might uh, be recognizable to people who picked up the Astro City Mini. So Sega Retro Wiki lists 14 games. Um, the highlights, I think, include Scramble Spirits, Game Ground, Crackdown, Bonanza Brothers, and several quiz games. And if you you know, keep those in mind, imagine them not only playing on the Arrow City, but on the um, Arrow Table. So, George, are any of these games, like, is there a favorite of yours from these that I listed? Crackdown is sick, dude. I don't know. Something <laughs> about that game is, like, uh, I understand there's a Crackdown on the Xbox 360. Not a great mm-hmm. sequel, but this one is pretty good. No, I'm joking. They're different games, but it, um, I really like how, I mean, I, obviously it is the 80s, but, like, it just feels like I'm playing, like, a weird, like, 80s cop movie game where i'm shooting people in like shinobi mm-hmm. style so yeah very very good very interesting game i definitely recommend that one that's probably my favorite one bonanza brothers is obviously really good i think super ahead of its time in gameplay wise mm-hmm. for like the late 80s and uh i mean game grounds all right <laughs> i mean i like game ground <laughs> but it's like i don't know it's a good game but it's uh, and scramble spirits i mean it has cool graphics but I can see why the game didn't catch on. I don't think this is probably the least popular one of, out of all these. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say actually Scramble Spirits is kind of like a recent favorite of mine just because I found it for the Master System for insanely cheap. Like I found it right before Master System games started to go up in price and it was like five bucks or something. And I brought it home. And I was like, this is like a really fun uh, shmup, but like in like almost like a Studio Ghibli kind of aesthetic where it's like world war one planes and stuff it's just it's so fun and so when i played it on the astro city i really liked it again um it's not a favorite of mine but still it's it's a surprise you know i was like i was not expecting such a fun little shooter um i think bonanza brothers though is a really solid game um game ground for me it doesn't really mean much but i will always remember that there was one day i was at the galloping ghost and the uh, the owner said to me, hey, that guy is a game ground expert, and he's going to make a world record today. And I hung around for, like, another hour or so, and then I heard someone going, oh, hey, look over here. And, like, this guy, like, made a world record in game ground as I was watching him. And it was only me and, like, one other person watching him. And the guy was just like, yay. And then he kept playing. And I'm like, dude, you just made a world record. <laughs> you know? And it was and just, like, so anticlimactic. Care. Yeah, he was just like, cool. Uh, Cool, very good. (laughs) Um, I think, too, I I just thought it was worth mentioning with that cocktail cabinet, the arrow table, it makes sense that you would have games like Game Ground and Crackdown. Like, they're very uh, multiplayer-friendly games. Um, The quiz games make a lot of sense because if you're going to have people drinking, uh, I don't know what Japan standards were for alcohol in arcades, um, I don't know if that happened, 
But I could imagine if you're sitting at a cocktail cabinet with a drink, you're going to want quiz games. You know, you're not going to be like, guys, let's play a shmup. You that's know. true. And also, <laughs> but, you got to smoke with one hand, drink with the other. Come on, oh, guys. Oh, that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing. Um, so now we're moving on to uh, 1991. So Sega released the uh, multi-cabinet swing. What a funny name. That's a terrible um, name, dude. So what this... This cabinet actually excelled at were four-player games. So you can imagine stuff like Revenge of Death Adder and Quartet playing very well on this machine. Um, How do you think this machine's aesthetics compares to what we've already seen? And why do you think it looks so different from the city cabinets? Well, I don't know why it looks so different, but... I don't. It has like a... uh, I can see this on like Ooh La La or something. I don't know why. It gives me a space feel. The speakers on the mm-hmm. side are massive. I don't know. It looks weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it does look different, and it has like that. Um, I think this looks more like the Capcom one that they did. There's like a Capcom one that kind of has this kind of like weird tilt look. I'm assuming it has to do mm-hmm. with the with the tabletop and trying to tr- transition those people over to an actual standing arcade. For sure. Okay. Well, yeah, my only guess is that it looks so different. Because it needs to accommodate four people standing around it. Um, I can't tell from the picture if it's seated or standing. But I, I honestly, I can't imagine four stools around that thing. Neither do I. It, it looks a little it looks a little taller to me. So it, it might be standing, maybe kind of hunched over it. Um, but it is an interesting aesthetic here. It's something you don't really see moving forward until we get into like the late 90s, 2000s. So it's... I just thought it was interesting that in 1991 they had this thing out there and it really aesthetically did not catch on until about almost a decade later. I've never um, seen anyone own this one, this style, have you? No. Yeah, okay. No, I've never I've never ever seen it until I did the notes for this swing. Like who talks about it, swing? Maybe you thought like uh Ulala's swing and report show. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's what you. <laughs> um, oh, here's the big one, guys. Uh, so Ugh. I'm gonna do a reaction. <gasps> it looks pretty for the for the YouTube video. <gasps> you know, it looks pretty good. You know, sometimes they'll show clips when you drag over the video, so they'll see little clips of the video of us talking, and then there's me going. <gasps> so yeah, uh, that that this, way they'll this... click on it. <laughs> exactly. So here's the star of the show. It's the Astro City. This was released in 1993. And based on looks, it really is not that much departure from 1988's Arrow City. Um, however, the Astro City, it did refine various elements of the Arrow. It weighed less, I think most importantly, consumed less power, and it sports a 29-inch screen. And I can imagine like when they're going around with like the salesman, how, how great a job would that be to be a, a Sega cabinet salesman in I like mean... 1990s Japan? That would be pretty, um, but I'm sure there's pretty interesting. I mean, I've I don't even know how to speak the language, so I'm probably going to fail. But it'd be pretty interesting. Well, I, I can imagine they'd probably go to an arcade and say, like, look, you have all of these 1988, 1986, like uh, city cabs. These things are great, really dependable, really reliable. But let's look at your electric bill because if you look at the power consumption on those versus this, within six months you're going to be saving enough to pay for five of these you know like i bet that's the sort of conversations they have going on um but you know you look at it too it has the uh 
big flashy marquee. It has that green strip of light that is replicated with the Astro City Mini and that beautiful 29-inch screen. Um, Why do you think, though, George, that the Astro City, among all the other cabinets that we've seen so far, has endured? Why is that the one that people really stick with? It has a really unique aesthetic to it, and I think the games that came out during this time kind of uh, re... I guess... There was like a boom again in in Japanese arcades when they went 3D. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like when it went 3D during the Model 1, Model 2, more people were going to arcades again. And I feel like this is the arcade cabinet that a lot of these places had because they played the most popular games. And I think that's why Mm -hmm. it kind of lived on as a uh, legacy uh, or a legendary uh, arcade. But yeah, that's why... Absolutely. That's what it seemed like to me, but... That's I think that's a really great um, analysis on it because I mean you look at the design it's it's clean it's not too dated it's dated but it's not to the point where you're like man that thing looks like it's stuck in the eighties it's um, dated in a good way it's like this weird Japanese style from the eighties that mm-hmm. I think has like a I don't know I think it looks nice I think there's like some cars even in the eighties from Japan that I think have a cool little like they always had their own like aesthetic in japan and i like it in the 80s that they were doing this weird you know stuff and this one's early 90s but it still looks dated but in a good way for sure and i think too it was probably a very dependable machine i mean you still see people buying them for their homes you still see arcades in japan that have these set up so clearly they last a long time and i think sega knew that they were making machines built to last they weren't making machines built to break down and get replaced because how many times are arcade operators going to be like you know we bought the the city we got the aero city now we're on to the astro city guys these things keep breaking down we're not we're going to go with namco you know like of course it's it's a difficult like you really you want to keep these things in arcades and you want to keep that sega business going so you know i just have to imagine that it's a very dependable machine and it's probably like the perfect size like sure screens can get bigger but there gets a certain point where you're just like, this is good. We're good. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Um, Now, what I thought was really interesting too, is that the design of this machine actually influenced the Saturn Virtua Stick and Virtua Stick Pro. Have you seen these things? I, I, I used to try to buy the, the second one. It's super rare now, but before it wasn't that bad. And I was like Mm -hmm. being super stingy about it. I think I, the lowest I found it at, Maybe it was one fifty, and I didn't pick it up, and now it's like probably like a thousand. I don't know. I don't even want to see because I already know it's going to be like, oh, it's uh, that's about twenty thousand dollars. So it's like cool. My yeah. car is not even worth that. All right, sick. No, I think now the Virtua Stick is like maybe fifty bucks. The, no, the not, single player not, one, not which isn't one. bad. The Japanese two player one I was talking about. But the two player one, yeah, that one is a little more expensive. I'm not going to even eBay it because then maybe I might buy one. Um, but it is, it's just, it is a a very cute little machine. I like that it actually picks the, um, uh, font up from the Astro City and replicates it with Virtua Stick. Um, if you have the, um, the English, there's a, America had like a black one, Mm. little bit different with the body, but still, you know, similar feel and everything, but it's really lacking that, um, those aesthetics. Another thing, too, is you, you kind of see, like, this, like it doesn't look like a Saturn machine, 
but it works well with it. You know what I mean? Um, you've got these green buttons. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think this fits well with like the Saturn ecosystem of controllers and accessories? No, I, I mean, it, it, it's obviously <laughs> doesn't even look like anything on the Sega Saturn. And I think maybe that's what right. drew me to it. Cause I was like, Oh, I think the idea was that like the Sega Saturn is such a at home arcade that you could literally mm-hmm. buy the arcade stick that you from an arcade and plug it directly mm-hmm. into your Sega Saturn. So there were, I'm assuming this is part of the marketing. This is an ask. They're like, like the the two player one. If you look at it, it looks like they just literally took it out of an Astro City arcade, and they're like, "Here you go, put plug this into your Sega Saturn." Right, and what's really cool too is it comes with those um, replacement cards, so you can feel like you're at the arcade with Virtual Fighter Two, Virtual Fighter Kids, Fighting mm-hmm. Vipers, and I'd imagine maybe fans like made their own for other games that didn't have them, but it's just, it's a very cool little accessory. Um, yeah, I want that pro model. Uh, <laughs> so I thought this was funny too. So it's an image I came across. It looks like an awesome setup on the left, but of course they upgraded. What What are your thoughts on this guy's setup? It looks pretty sick. The screen he uses is sick. I mean, the it's kind of like the Holy Grail, right? With CRTs. So this mm-hmm. is a nice little setup. Anything you, Anything wrong? You're going to do one of these or what? You're going to buy a skeleton and make I, it? I've I've thought of buying a um, standing office desk and putting in just like the sticks I have and then putting a shelf below that would hold all the mini consoles and mm-hmm. then I'd put them through a switcher. Nice. And then have like that would be kind of sweet because then you can see them in there. They're displayed and it doesn't take up too much room. I, I think it's really cool that this guy just went and got the Astro City, but I kind of respect the first one too. I think that I would have been fine with that if I was this guy, unless it like was a really great deal. It looks kind of beat up, so I got to imagine it was a pretty good deal. Yeah, um, but it's it's a it's a cool little setup there. I like it. Um, that same year, this gets a little wacky. So that same year, the Astro City. Two released. What? Um, so the that's sequel? the same. Yeah, the official sequel. The sequel. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, so you know, modern fans might recognize this. Um, I think I got that right. Maybe, maybe I'm a little wrong here. Um, but uh, I think this is what the Sega Toys one for the Astro City Mini was replicating. I could be wrong. Maybe they were replicating the new Astro City, which looks very similar. I think you know. I think I'm wrong with the notes. Um, but like you can like see like this a, here, like this one has like two big speakers on the top, like it's, and like yeah, um, it's a shoot 'em up version, right? So basically, um, the two had better compatibility with the Sega Model One board and was originally released as the des- the dedicated cabinet for Virtua Fighter in Japan. Um, improvements included superior sound, which really, uh, you know, they really drew attention to with the exposed speakers and improved power supply and different default joysticks. So really, you know, talking about the Astro City Mini, it does seem weird that it has this whole span of games from like the 80s through to uh, Virtua Fighter, like the, the sole 3D game. But with this in mind, like it makes a little more sense that the Astro City launched and then very quickly they put an um, upgraded model 
made for Virtua Fighter. Yeah. Um, you could tell they were using the side panels and stuff, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell my confusion here where I'm like, this is the new? No, this is the two. Because the next one that we're going to get into pretty soon is the new Astro City. Oof. But, um... So they they pulled it's a uh, they pulled a Nintendo and they just made a all new Astro City arcade. Right. Yeah. It's it is odd that like I'm I'm flipping between them. There is not much of a difference really. The speakers are smaller on the new model. But before we get to the new model, I did want to show this here: um, the Virtual Fighter cabinet in America. You see that? So. This is a little more like what we were talking about, the wooden cabinets with the metal trim so you don't get splinters. Um, Lots of wood, lots of uh, decals. It's still a very attractive cabinet. It even has, um, what's his name, Siba, who Mm. was not in the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, So how do you think the American Virtua Fighter cabinet compares to the Astro City 2? What do you mean? The 2 for the first one compared to the sequel, you mean? No, no, no. Um, so the American Virtua Fighter cabinet. Oh, it looks like trash. I'm sorry. What... I'm sorry. I mean, it doesn't look anything like the old one. The old one, the Astro City has a way better aesthetic look. I think it looks a lot mm-hmm. better built. It looks a lot funner to play since you're sitting down. It's just like right. these are just felt like they were put together to catch your eye when you're walking by a store and then stand up, mm-hmm. play real quick, and then take off. And while right. the uh, Japanese ones, it was kind of like they wanted you to be there for a while and you're going to be playing for pe- longer periods of time. Right. And so it's it's interesting that Virtua Fighter, you know, this big, amazing game, it really, it debuted in a multi-purpose cabinet that they just put a little extra effort into making unique, you know, with the marquee <laughs> and maybe some stickers. Um, yeah. But honestly, like, it's not... It's not like a huge uh, uh, change from the Astro City 1 to 2. So that was just them capitalizing on this big 3D game. So if anything, you know, uh, Virtua Fighter, it pushed the Astro City to push a revision out very quickly. I I don't know the reasoning. I just thought it was very interesting that within the same year they had a sequel. Um, But let's get to the new Astro City. So it looks... Look at the this. Same. Like <laughs> it's the same. So yeah, so 1994 it saw the release of the new Astro City, which aesthetically looks like a cross between the original and the second. The machine added Model 2 compatibility as well as improved speakers and screen. That's always the thing. Speakers and screen, new arcade model, uh new arcade board. Um I can imagine though that savvy arcade operators are able to upgrade old machines which explains why you would see the Astro City playing a broad range of games because it's it's able to. It's a multi-purpose machine. Um, But of course, when they have the new games coming out, they push the new model onto people. Um, Model 2, of course, it's it's a big, big arcade board in terms of just like the sheer number of big games that are released on it. Um, Though one would assume, you know, that several driving and light gun games did not work at all on the new Astro City. So my guess is games you'd likely see on this machine would include Dynamite Cop, Dead or Alive, Fighting Vipers, Last Bronx, Sonic the Fighters, and Virtua Fighter 2. So George, um, of these games, which are your favorites and which do you think, despite the improvements 
um, the original Astro City still is like, why do you think the original Astro City is still more synonymous with like model two games than the new Astro City? You, uh, you know, know what, what I mean? Like, I, I have no idea. Maybe cause a lot of, uh, maybe people can't tell the difference between the, this one and the old one probably. or, or <laughs> yeah. uh, um, maybe like older models were just reused for such a long time cause they were so durable that most people mm-hmm. didn't upgrade as frequently as Sega would like, and maybe more high-end places would have the latest, while the smaller uh, game centers would have the old old ones, right? Um, as far as these games, Likely. Um, I think, I mean, Dynamite Cop obviously is sick. Um, Last Bronze, I don't think, gets enough credit from uh, fighting game fans. Uh, Sonic the Fighters is a game, and Virtual Fighter 2 is probably one of the nicest looking Model 2 games. Uh, they're all great games. I can't even say, like, one of these is bad that you listed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, they're all synonymous, too, with the Saturn. Yep. All of true. those are games you would you would think. Um, and, and as I mentioned a little earlier, I was getting confused. So, the new Astro City is the one that when the Astro City Mini had a version released to Sega Toys with pink buttons. They gave a little marquee that you could slap on the top to make the the speakers. Mm. That's the new Astro City. Mm. So really if you want like that that model model 1 model 2 experience, you're going to have to get that, but they're expensive as hell now. Um Yeah. So yeah, for me I I would say um of those, I love all of those. I think any I can sit down and play any of those fighting games and just enjoy the hell out of them. I think Dynamite Cop is a great game to like 100% play through in one sitting if you have the time. It's just, it's so fun. It's so funny. And we did a Sega Talk on that too. We actually did a Sega Talk on Dynamite Cop, um, Virtua Fighter 2, I think. Or we might not but, have yet, but we might have. I don't know. I think we did the first one for sure. Dead or Alive... It's not a Sega game, but I would love to cover that too. I don't know. It's kind of I, we'll I, I would say it's kind of a Sega game in the way that it, I mean it was on Saturn and it was kind of a big deal since it was basically a re it, they took the whole Virtual Fighter gameplay and they just kind of uh simplified it a little bit more. Even though it's already mm-hmm. kind of simple. But yeah. 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 Um so Blast City is the next one. Nineteen ninety six. Blast City blasted onto the scene. Um, in terms of upgrades, the Blast featured VGA support, which is a pretty big deal. Less power consumption again, and they were designed for Model 3 boards. So aesthetically, the Blast is more concerned with attracting players. It's taller. It devotes more space to banners and flashing lights up top. Um, what do you think about the Blast City? Is it a Blast? I I don't know. This is, this is one of those that like... Um... I've seen a lot too, like this and the Astro City. I've seen them both. I mm-hmm. I, I don't really like it. I, something about the original Astro City aesthetic. Uh, I think it really worked for the 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 whole machine. This one, I just it mm-hmm. doesn't give me the same vibes. I don't know what it is. And like you said, it's still dated. The other one, I don't like the way the marquee on top looks that much. I know it's supposed to be upgraded with lights. I'm assuming it's backlit. Right. I've seen other mm-hmm. pictures of it. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's not an ugly machine, but definitely if I had to pick one, I would say the Astro City is still better looking than this one. Yeah, aesthetically, it's a little sharper. Um, I noticed too, the screen's kind of, uh, concave. It's like inward and then the speakers are built in the sides, which is Mm. kind of a cool little 
um, idea to have the speakers there instead of up top. But the Astro City, when you look at it, it's just, it's cuter. It's like rounder. It's a little more inviting with the, with the, um, controls kind of swooping down like that instead of the harder angles with the Blast City. Um, interestingly though, if you're a Westerner and you've played Sega Bass Fishing, this is actually the machine they used Oh yeah, for some Sega Bass Fishing setups. You can see it here. And I rem- I distinctly remember playing Sega Blast City, well, see, Sega Bass Fishing on a Blast City and being confused as hell because you know, you got to remember, Americans going to the arcade, the name of the game's on the side. Oh, Why yeah. does it say Blast City? Then, like, what's Sega Bass Fishing Blast City? What's this new game? I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that would be a little confusing to, like, Baka Gaijin American us? consumer man? Yeah, for sure. It, for us, it would be very <laughs> confusing because, like, I think even now if you go to the arcades, like, it has the name everywhere of the game you're playing. Usually, like, right. Cabela, fucking Deer Hunters, some crap game that they have in the theater. Whoa, um, hey, easy. Sorry. sorry. Um, I almost, I applied there to work. They didn't hire me, though. As a Cabela, as a, like, a Cabela manager for the arcade machine? <laughs> no, no. Well, the, at the place that makes those uh, those games. Uh, yeah. Cabela? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, they make great games, of course. Um, But as a, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if people were confused and... But I like the idea that they were, you know, trying to introduce the Blast City and trying to bring that form factor over here. It sucks that it took so long because, like, I, during the Blast City, it was when arcades were dying out in America even more. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it, after the 80s, it was just, like, slowly trickling, you know, in popularity. At least mainstream pop- yeah. mainstream popularity. But, yeah. I, I, this yeah. is cool. This is a cool cabinet. Would you ever get a Sega Bass Fishing Blast city cabinet <laughs> i don't think so because you're stuck with sega bass fishing you can't switch out the boards unless you want to use a fishing controller for like virtua fighter oh yeah which i guess would work or you um it makes me setup. wonder though because remember remember how with the dreamcast they were like you can use the fishing rod on dead or alive too <laughs> did they actually advertise i don't remember that did they advertise it like that no they didn't but it was possible and so it makes me wonder because these share I don't know. <laughs> Share a cabinet. Um, speaking of cabinets here, you can see uh, we have a Yakuza um, appearance of the Blast City playing Virtua Fighter 2. Do you recognize this? This is Yakuza 5, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think it's really cool now that I have this like knowledge of multi-purpose Sega arcade cabinets that I can look back at these Yakuza games and, like, walk around the machine, look at the machine. It's a really great way to just like save, preserve history in a sense, you know? Um, So that's why one of my, uh, Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say one of my issues with the new Yakuza game is that they didn't have a new uh, arcade game in it. Like it it has Mm -hmm. all the reused ones. So I was like, it's so weird that judgment got a motor raid, right? The first port. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, who's like Dragon didn't get one. That's a little disappointing. You know, it's Sega arcade fans, but whatever. Lazy. Yeah, lazy. It doesn't kill um, the game. It's great, but <laughs> that sucks. Speaking of speaking of Model Three games, uh, Model Three titles included Virtua Fighter Three, Virtua Striker Two, Fighting Vipers Two, and Spike Out. 
Um, so what are your favorites here and which one do you think defined the model three board? I think, I think it for everybody that grew up and like read media around the late nineties, they would say mm-hmm. 100% virtual fighter three, because it kind of felt like it was the most hyped game because it was delayed for so long. It was like delayed maybe like a year or something like maybe two years, but I don't know. For some mm-hmm. reason back then, it felt like that was a lifetime of delaying. Now games get delayed for 10 years and we're like, oh, yeah, at least uh, right. it's coming out, right? So right, um, like, so yeah. Virtual Fighter 3, definitely, because they kind of sold the whole Model 3 on the back of Virtual Fighter's name. Um, outside mm-hmm. of that, I think uh, Spike Out is a game that nobody really talks about that kind of, you know, went on to influence what became Yakuza. So for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, yeah, I'd agree with you. Virtua fighter three, for sure. Um, spike out would have been an awesome game to include in Yakuza seven. I don't know why they didn't. Oh yeah. Surprise. Because they could have made a little joke where he's like, he plays it. And then maybe when he's done, he's like, I'm just, I'm not into these fighting games. You know? <laughs> yeah. The whole joke is that he doesn't fight. He does RPGs. So it yeah. would be kind of a nice, Nice little nod to, like, the gameplay that made the series famous. Um, Now we're getting to George, your favorite. So we've got the Versus City released in 1996. Uh, This is a two-player variation that saw two city cabinets back-to-back, allowing two players to play one game against one another. The cabinet also featured a seven-segment display with recorded winning streaks. Do you like this little guy, this little double boy? Yeah, there's something about it. I know people are going to say, that thing is ugly, George. What are you talking about? I just, I always like the idea that when you go to Japanese, some of the arcades like these, the verses, they have them back to back. And then when you actually play Mm -hmm. someone, you don't have to be sitting next to them. I think it gives us some weird dynamic. Uh, I really enjoyed it when I played one of these kind of types of setups. And I think it's cool, mm-hmm. it, it, and it makes it more competitive, especially if you're going to be playing uh, fighting games. You don't see the other person, or you can't see where he's clicking the button. Or no, uh, That's true. Yeah, so I always liked it. I thought they were cool. Obviously, these are rare as hell. I'm pretty sure you'll never be able to uh, purchase one at a uh, reasonable peasant cost, <laughs> our budget. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Yeah, right. I like that it says for exciting battle below the screen. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then the winner, like I can imagine, woo, it starts lighting up. That's pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd also imagine then that games have it programmed in there where a win, like, triggers a light. So that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like that one. And then the next one we have... It's kind of like the Blast City version of the Versus. Mm, yeah. So we have the new Versus City cabinet. Um, it's an updated the... version of the Versus City. Aesthetically, like I said, looks more like the Blast. Marquee and scoring gimmick was much more prominent. You hate this one, right? I don't hate it, but I really don't like the thing on top. Like they added that extra like top thing to me. Like it's like looking down on right. you. Something about it makes me like afraid that it's gonna fall and hit me in the head or something like that. I know it's not, <laughs> but it's like I don't know. It gives me a little paranoid. I'd rather have it without it, you know. But I, if it's, I could get either one of them, I would be happy. It's still for exciting battle, so that's pretty good. Well, I, I, it's hey, they're promising you exciting battles. That's all they could do. I mean, as long as they're promising Absolutely. that, I'm up for it. <laughs> um. 
Moving on, we have uh, the death of City. City's dead, guys. What? So we have the boringly named Naomi Universal Cabinet, released in 1999. Uh, Like the name says, it... This shit away from me. Get this shit away from me. I know, me. What right? Is this crap. Where's all the where's all the <laughs> chunky features the other one had? The round I know. Bumpers, the thickness. This thing is thin. Well, they're <laughs> they're gone. I'm sorry, it's all thin boys from now on. Oh. Um so this thing it catered to Sega Naomi games, but it was not exclusive to them. The cabinet was Sega's first high resolution cabinet, and unlike previous models, this one did release in the US and UK. And never um, played one, sadly. It's kind of like it's like the Dreamcast for but, arcades, basically. So, would you buy one of these? Is this something that you would want to have in your collection if you had the chance of buying it for a you know not rip off price? If I if this was available and I wasn't able to get like an Astro City, definitely. I think it's actually not a terrible cabinet. Um, aesthetically, it actually looks very similar to the Swing mm-hmm. cabinet. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, you know, uh, there's less, less of the units devoted to hider, hiding the CRT. So I can imagine it's, it's lighter space saving. For sure. Uh, the boards are stuck down below. Um, it was designed for standing play. So of course, Western audiences were in mind and it kind of became, uh, you know, the go-to cabinet for further additional boards like Naomi 2. Hikaru, Chihiro, and the Triforce arcade games. So just like oh. the Astro City endured for several models and people were still sticking with that, when this came out, this was kind of like the Astro City of its time. Have you ever seen one of these in person? The Naomi one? Yeah. I have not, actually. I, I'm pretty sure they probably have one in Galloping Ghost Arcade because they have... Every arcade ever invented or even thought of before they even come out? Yeah, that's a good question. I should go... Next time I go back there, I'm going to walk around and see if they have these. I don't think they do. I think they're all dedicated cabinets. Okay. Um. But, uh... Yeah. I, I, I don't hate the design. I do make fun of it because it's a little more skinnier. I understand what they're trying to sell here. They're trying to sell less room. Uh... And, like, having it naked in the back was probably a big deal back then without having it a big, you know, round plastic uh, thing. I think they look. Mm-hmm. I think it looks cool, but, like, uh, again, it's not Astro City nice looking. But if I was able <laughs> to buy one, of course, I, I would love to have one of the Naomi uh, arcades because, I mean, what big Dreamcast fan wouldn't want it, you know? Absolutely. And let's talk briefly about Naomi games. There were several classics, way too many to list. Um, but just off the top of your head, like what are your some of your favorite Naomi titles that debuted in arcades and maybe later came to the Dreamcast? I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm like trying to think right now. Naomi games. Cause like some of the games they released on the on the Dreamcast were like Oh yeah, they're arcade, they're Model Three games, but they were ported, you know, like Virtual Fighter TD or whatever. That's not right, right, right. Naomi. I'm trying to think of uh, an official game right now off the top of my head. Because most of the Crazy game... Taxi, Crazy, oh well, dude, Crazy Taxi. Okay, that's easy. Uh, and House of the Dead Two, like those two games are sick. Um, those, mm-hmm. yeah, those two are probably my favorite games. Crazy Taxi, honestly, dude, Crazy Taxi is probably one of the best games. Like the concept behind the game is so interesting, and like. And refreshing at the time, and I think it's probably one of the most popular 
arcade titles that I thought growing up, at least locally here. Like I always saw that in Daytona USA. So definitely crazy. Taxi. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those ones are great. Power Stone, Power Stone 2. I'm surprised um, they were on arcade. Cause like when we talk about them, we usually, everybody remembers it. Like we even get it on Twitter, right? Where people are like, uh, tell Sega to make a new Power Stone. And we're like, uh, yeah, we'll get <laughs> right. on it. We'll get on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, those kids. Uh, Dead or Alive 2 was on there. Um, Samba de Amigo, Virtua Tennis, Cannon Spike, which is not a great game, but, you know, rare. underrated. <laughs> um, some wacky ones like Kraken DJ. Do you remember that one? It was like a rock DJ. I do not. Uh, I, I've never played it. I, did they also do the skateboarding one? Was that a Naomi game? The skate where it's like kind of like crazy taxi but you ride an actual skateboard you know i i think possibly kraken dj was actually a um hit maker game that very much resembled like uh jet set radio just in terms of the aesthetics i i checked that one out um i'll, I'll check it but out. yeah just naomi is just it's such it's such a uh i i guess it's kind of like the model I mean, it does nothing compares to it really, but like we talk about Naomi just as much as I think we talk about Model Two, you know, oh, yeah. like Model Three kind of came and went. Model One, you know, it was great, but it definitely had improvements moving on. And I think once you got to Naomi, it was just like 3D games were just like there. There were very few things holding them back. Crazy Taxi, uh, the frame rate was just insane. Oh, like yeah. very little slowdown. It's just. It was just very impressive at the time, and still is. Like I'll I'll play, um, almost any Naomi arcade game and just be floored at just how how amazing they look. Um, uh, moving on though, we've got oh, we got a big boy coming up. So another one. This is the um, Net City. It released the same year and was an updated version um, with Japanese audiences in mind. I believe. Uh, the cabinet also featured better components and a sit-down model. So the one we're looking at here, I believe, is the standing model. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's not a huge departure from the Naomi. It's just, you know, I, I, nothing exciting. I have nothing to say about it. It's, it's almost like, why did they bother? But, hey. You know. <laughs> well, I what, mean, what make money. Think? It's to make money, really. I mean... Why would you even call it net? Like, what's the point of having the I don't like net? it. Like... I don't like it because it makes me think of basketball games. Uh, to me, it makes me seem like this is is this is supposed to be, like, the model that plays on the internet. Like, is there online play on uh, this? Oh, yeah. No, there isn't, right? So it's like, what are you doing, dude? No. Especially when the Dreamcast was yeah. sponsoring the fact that you could play online, you know? It's kind of weird time. When I... When I had the opportunity to potentially buy one of these, because the the thing was is that there was a company in Chicago that was selling um, multi-purpose Sega arcade cabinets called Windy City Gaming, and oh, yeah. they still exist, I believe. Yeah, um, but the big thing was is that I would not have to pay shipping costs because I just would show up with you know my own truck and then take it home. Like I didn't have to deal with. You know, I wasn't living in some area that never gets uh, Sega arcade games. And it's kind of the perk of living in a major city that has trains coming and going that I can get stuff like this. They had the Net City, and I just was, like, not interested because it made me feel like 
I don't know. It reminds me of basketball, and I'm not a basketball fan. Like, I don't hate basketball, but, like, mm. am I going to put something in my house that makes me think of, like, Air Jordan all the time? Probably not. No. Um, <laughs> and you live in Chicago, uh, I mean, shoot. If anybody was going to do it, I know. it's you. <laughs> I know. I should. Um, moving on, though, we got more net. Uh, just like the Astro City, there was a new model for the net city, the new net city. Why? <laughs> Uh, this oh released shortly after the Net City, and it appears to be a sit-down model. And I'm wondering if this is the sit-down model of the Net City. Like, if the Net City did not have a sit-down model, and then the new new Net City came out and was the sit-down model, that would make a little more sense. Because why are you releasing the Naomi, the Net City, and the new Net City within like? You know, a couple of years of each other. Is it just the, seems kind of weird to me. Is the new Net City the the the, the sequel? Is the black one right with the that looks kind of? Or yeah, the, yeah. Or but I get the wrong I, one. Well, with um, Virtua Tennis on the screen. Okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, got yeah, you. and I actually played on one of these because I remember playing Virtua Tennis in an arcade and being like, "Oh, cool! It's like a Sega arcade cabinet, but..." Like, it looks like it could play other games. And so this was like nine, maybe like 2002 or three. So this is when I start to kind of become aware of these things existing. Mm. Um, You know, it's, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Naomi, I mean, obviously it makes you think of Dreamcast games. Uh, How the, how, how, go on, sorry. How do you think the Net City family fits in with like, Naomi and the like. Do you feel it's synonymous with it, or does it just kind of feel removed? I feel like the maybe from the, the Dreamcast. Yeah, it feels removed from the Dreamcast, even though they're so connected, right? Like maybe it's just because right. of our experience in the West, where like I didn't know any of these arcades existed, but somehow I knew about the Astro City. So to me, it's kind of weird that like these didn't become more popular. Maybe it's just the time period of arcades at the time where more people are transitioning to home. And, uh, possibly. So maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I think in America, all I remember is that all the arcades had their own cabinet with their own steering wheels and all that stuff. So I don't know. It would have been interesting to have a multi-purpose thing like this, but I don't know how it would look like in America. You think in America they would go with the white? <laughs> I don't think so. Cause I think they'd go, well, our, our arcades are dirty and it'll get dirty and then people see dirt on it. Oh, that's actually. Smart. And I think the Japanese would say, "Well, stop having dirty arcades, and then you wouldn't have that problem." You and, know, and then they're like, "Oh, that's work." Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't want to work. Um, I, I think aesthetically, like the white matches the Dreamcast. Obviously, these things weren't designed to be like the arcade equivalent to the home consoles that were out at the time. Mm. But of course you do see some crossover in terms of aesthetics. I'm not seeing it here though. I don't see anything really dreamcast influencing the designs of the net city, except for maybe that orange. Yeah. Orange kind of color. But even then, I don't know. Um, but next up, uh, this is a cool one. So this beast, this is the Lindbergh universal cabinet. And like the Naomi, it catered to Lindbergh games. Uh, well large. The machine takes up very little space with a flat screen and exposed rear components. It almost resembles to me like a PC standing desk. Oh, yeah. Uh, The sit-down version released in Japan. Well, the standing version released internationally, and notable Lindbergh games include Virtua Fighter 5, House of the Dead 4, Virtua uh, Virtua Tennis 3, 
and several racing games that un- unlikely use such a cabinet. Um, you've probably seen these machines in Yakuza 6, and they are very much synonymous with Virtua Fighter 5. So what what do you think of this cabinet, first off? I kind of like it. It does have that PC feel, like you said, and I've heard people complain. I remember when this was announced with Virtua Fighter 5. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first complaints were like, it's just a weak PC because Sega put out the uh, the specs for it, and it was like it was a basically a PC inside this thing. But then again, right? What do you expect in like the mid two thousands where everything was basically becoming a PC inside a box, right? Um, right. So personally, oh, and outside of all the games that they released on it, obviously Virtual Fighter Five was the best one. Um, yeah, I, I, lo- I like House of the Dead, and I like House of the Dead Four, but. Like them censoring the the gore kind of you know gets you back mm. a little bit, but uh, Virtual for Tennis sure. Three is pretty sick, and they need to make another Virtual Tennis game for sure because definitely missing that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I think design wise, this is. I mean, it is it it works. It's serviceable, but nothing too exciting. It honestly looks like something you might see at like a like business park in like a conference room. Like if you strip the Sega name and the controls there, I just think this is like a presentation thing for like a a business meeting or something. It's just, it doesn't feel fun and video gamey. It, it kind of just feels like something the IT department pieced together. Uh, the whole black bit at the bottom is just unexciting. It's not really connected to the unit itself. It's not like one unit. It's more like base controller screen, Mm marquee um having said that i have played virtual fighter 5 on one of these and it's it's great it's just aesthetically it's not it's so far removed from what we what we saw with like the city and the astro city um you know and and the arcade stick though is kind of interesting because they did make um i'm trying to remember what it's called like the high something stick but basically that's the basis for what was it like? High top is that what they called the little, the little sticks with the with the more rounder instead of the the round round ball? It's kind of like a uh, kind of like a bowling pin, the top of a bowling pin. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking of you know. So the uh, new Astro City Mini has the or the Astro City Mini has the uh, the stick, and that stick is actually based on a home version of this machine stick. Oh, okay. Complete with the two yellow buttons and the purple buttons and the black background. Um, it I don't remember what it's called, but yeah. So it's it's. I think it's just kind of interesting that this release, the Lindbergh machine, um, at the same time the PlayStation Three had a arcade stick that replicated this Lindbergh machine, and then here we are in 2020. They took that arcade stick that was meant to emulate the Lindbergh. They went back and applied uh, Astro City aesthetics to it, so it's just kind of full circle that the very <laughs> last multi-purpose cabinet we would be talking about, Sega repurposed something for it as a throwback to one of their more successful earlier ones. So, of course, I don't know. interesting. It's interesting. Um, next up here, we got like a weird little collection. I don't know. Did you group these images all together, or oh, are we yeah. gonna look at them one at a time? I have them one at a time. I'm flipping through them. But you could talk okay, about Okay, yeah. Them. So th- 
Yeah, and we're not going to spend too much time on these. So Sega also released a line of large multi-purpose cabinets called Megalo, which sounds like a, <laughs> a like a supermarket or something. Yeah. Are you going to Megalo? Yeah, it does sound Megalo like Mart. Wasn't that in King of the Hill? Was that there where they shot Megalo Mart? Yeah, they're probably thinking about the arcades though. But. <laughs> yeah, um, I won't go through all of these uh, one by one, but you can see a selection of them here. They released from 1992 through to the 2000s, and they were titled Megalo 50, Super Megalo, Euro Megalo, a European version, Super Megalo 2, Megalo 410, and the Naomi DX Universal Cabinet, which dropped the Megalo naming. Um, the early Megalo, you never, well, you know what, the, the Megalo 50, I think, is in those photos from Sega of Japan's new lobby, because I, I believe, this... isn't that where Segata and his son are, like, sitting? Maybe, maybe. Uh, the Megalo 2, I think I might have, it might have been repurposed in one of my local arcades as a, uh, one of those, like, uh, I forgot what it's called, it's like. You know they have those 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 games where you're like writing a uh, it's kind of like the Jurassic Park one, not the Jurassic Park one, right? The, the ones you're writing like yeah. a roller coaster and they move. It kind of mm-hmm. it kind of look like this, the Mega Low. It does, yeah. And I I think Sega um, used like the kind of like the framework for these for um, Star Wars Arcade, the mm. original one, which yeah. was a two person sit down. Um, it's very clear that they reused a lot of technology for these for more dedicated cabinets. Um, the early models used projections rather than an actual video screen, so you had a, a video projection to make the screen larger. Interestingly, Sega in the 1970s, at least in America, had their own line of large screen projection televisions called the Sega Vision. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's interesting they're using the same tech here. Um, years later, uh, those TV. were uh, advertised. <laughs> they were advertised in Playboy magazine, and I have that issue. So if you guys want to come over to my house, I'll read Playboy with you. Don't go. Um, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Do it. Uh, just as consoles became uh, the home to countless Sega home console games, the multi-purpose machines we covered here became the homes to mul- to countless Sega arcade games. So. We're kind of wrapping up our, our little story here before we move into the modern era. But um, what were Sega's strengths in their cabinet designs? And why do you think the city cabinets have endured? I think the software, I think their penetration in the market. I, I, I'm surprised that they, when you said that they weren't the most popular ones. I think you said SNK was most more popular. and Prevalent. Would, SNK yeah. made far more of them, yeah. Yeah, and it would make sense because uh, I saw SNK machines everywhere growing up. Like, I feel like they were so cheap, and they had three or four mm-hmm. games per arcade. That, but like, I felt like there was always these like more high quality machines, and I always felt like the Astro City like had this like very high quality, slick white uh, feel with these like bright, colorful neon green and pink. That I think that's why it's endured. It just has this aesthetic that's like pretty legendary and it was during the time when they were doing that course like the japanese uh boom it was like towards the end of the whole golden age of, of arcades in japan so Absolutely. that makes sense too and like you said it was repurposed with older games so even the classics were played on it but yeah mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's just Sega has some really great um, 
product designers. I'm not talking about the technical side, but just the aesthetic side. They really know how to make a fun, inviting machine. Um, I mean, more often than not. Some of these I thought were kind of stumbles. I, I'm not a big fan of the Net City. I think the um, Lindbergh machine is a little cold, but I think it fits with that time period. I think that was kind of a, an aesthetic. But, you know, they they just know how to make really fun, enduring, designed objects. And that's why I think people were getting so jazzed when the uh, Astro City Mini was announced and it came with that little uh, add-on with the stool where people were like, oh, that's the machine I fell in love with. Because I look at that machine and then I look at other uh, contemporary cabinets from other companies and they just don't do it for me like the Sega one does. And I mean, I'm biased. But then again, there's just (laughs) things... Well, yeah, but then there's things going on aesthetically that I think Sega's just like kind of next level in terms of their their presentation. Like in the end, it's it's just a video screen, speakers, and joystick. But the way they present it, I think, is just uniquely Sega and something that no other company can really emulate. Um, so if you think we're done, not quite yet. As evidenced by the Saturn arcade sticks that we talked about, fans of Sega's arcade cabinets like to take take a piece home with them. So in recent years, Sega has capitalized on this with some unique products. So in 2016, model maker Wave released the Astro City Cabinet Model Kit. So I have that here. Um, This came out, like I said, in 2016. I... (laughs) have still not put it together. I plan to, though, now that I have an Astro City Mini to go with it. But what I think is really interesting is that, I mean, it's got the little stool, but then it's got different um, uh, controller variations. This is You see that? This is the one they sell on... They still sell it, I think, on Amazon Japan, right? So they made a second one which is the new Astro City variant, and it has uh, cave titles, those shmups. Mm. Um, and this is just display. And as... What's These that? are just for display. They're not working. They're just to... Like, to put... No, no, no. Yeah, it's just a model. It's just for display. And the, um, the cave one uh, actually is in the uh, uh, shmup orientation, horizontal screen. So that's kind of the difference between the new that they have and uh, with the cave titles and then this one. But you can see the little decals there for the different boards. Nice. I, I'm so weird, though, about stickers that I'm like, man, if I use one of these, I'm stuck with it. You know You know what I mean? You know, I'm 100% with you because I got the Astro. I told you the Game Center uh, thing. Yeah, and yeah, it comes yeah. with stickers, and I was looking at them, and I'm like, well, th- these aren't going to be open. So I just put it away because I'm like, I'm not going to put a sticker on the device. Like, it's cool that they come with it, but like, I'm like, I like to preserve this kind of stuff. So, right. Or these are cool. Like, there's screens and posters that you're supposed to like hang up and put around it. I'm going to scan this, you know, like, I'm going to pr- scan it and then print it out and use it. Um, well, that's my address on this oh, one. Not showing that. Show that one. Uh, but yeah, so you get an idea here of the model. It's snapped together. It's pretty simple. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they very clearly people love the aesthetics of it. They wanted to bring a piece home with them, and so I actually I did buy the uh, the other model kit. Um, I think it was forty bucks. It's not mm. bad. 
And there was only like eight left at the time that I placed the order. So I'm like, ugh, you know, like I'd be kicking myself if it sold out. Um, but the big one then we have kind of up, coming up here, 2020, Sega's 60th anniversary. The Astro City Mini was revealed by Sega and Sega Toys. So, George, if you have the, the trailer. I do have the trailer. Um, it's like 18 minutes. We, it's three minutes. Oh, okay. That's what I figured. Let me see. Uh, let me put the volume on. Let me see if I can hear it. Oh, there you go. That annoying ass yeah, so music. Let's check out the trailer. The annoying music. Oh, you don't like it? I'll talk about it after this. Imagine you're all chilling in the office and then this song plays in the background. Oh yeah, that would be great. <laughs> For 10 hours, I left it on. So this came kind of a little bit after the announcement of the uh, Game Gear Micro. Oh yeah. And people kind of stopped complaining about the Micro after this? the Astro City Mini was revealed, but I think a big thing was is that this never got an American release. Neither. And I don't think it ever will. No. But, um, let's, let's be honest. Why would they re- release it in America when we we don't have nostalgia for these machines? You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's kind of a hard right. sell, but yeah. And it's so like, I don't know. Like, when I was playing with it, I'm like, Sega had to like, sell this at a loss, right? Or like, at least a very slim margin because like, the... The buttons on this thing, the arcade stick, like the way the clicking feels, feels pretty good quality. The the sound on the speaker mm-hmm. is surprisingly good. So it's like, yeah, they had to be like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm actually kind of surprised at the machine at the same time. Oh, Virtual Fighter. This is the big game they had for this machine, right? This was yeah. When they kicked it off, they revealed I believe 13 games, um, and then they revealed more later on, but. Just seeing these two, it was like, you know, Virtua Fighter, Fantasy Zone, yeah. I was kind of sold. Well, For me, though, the big thing are games that never rele- received a Western release. Yeah. Well, so, even this Golden I mean, they're showing right now the Golden Axe, the old one. Even the, the, the arcade yeah. one is such a higher quality than the Genesis one, and it's more gory. Absolutely. Totally worth it. Oh, yeah. Revenge of Death Adder, obviously. But I, I'd imagine when Revenge of Death Adder was revealed, like... Arcade One Up kind of crapped their pants because they're like, "This was our selling point." Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, that we we had you know a home version finally for three hundred what four hundred dollars, and here you can get the Astro City Mini for one hundred and twenty. What do you think about Dark Edge? And I, I mean, they're showing Alien Storm right now, but Dark Edge is it's weird. Fine. It's a weird. It's such a weird experimental game that I'm surprised they even put it on there. But I can see like. In the history, it's like a, it's a sprite scaler fighting game. Yeah. Right, and I think it's just an interesting show of tech at the time. It's it's not a great game, um, but they also they had the two Alien Sega games, which are both good. But yeah, and it, mm-hmm. Columns Two is legit the worst one in this trailer so far. Let's be honest with each other. Really? Yes. Okay, I heard Columns fans going finally a home version of Columns, but. I have to, just my personal opinion, I don't like the top down of that, but yeah. Oh. The, uh, it's kind of like Bejeweled or whatever, but. And then your favorite game. Altered Beast is, 
it's a classic, you know. Um, at least this version's a lot better than the Sega Genesis version. So I mean, absolutely, not by a lot, yeah. but it's, it is better. And that's the trailer. So that kind of does it for that. We we don't need to watch the rest. Yeah. It's just a guy talking. But I'm um, sure he's saying cool. What stuff. was your initial reaction to the Astro City Mini being announced? I was shocked that they like uh, announced it because it was kind of came out of nowhere, right? Because it's like, was there a yeah. big anniversary? Was there any teasing leading up to this? Not really, because. When the Game Gear was announced, it kind of made sense because the Sega Satan, uh, Sega Shiro marketing campaign was kind of showing off the Game Gear a little bit. Felt like they were slowly mm-hmm. going to transition the ads into a Game Gear-centered kind of like campaign. And then COVID happened, obviously, and they, we stopped getting commercials, which is sad because yeah. they had a storyline going on and, and it never got finished. Um, I'm assuming they were going to have something to do with arcade game centers after that and then slowly announce this, but, uh, possibly. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of felt like it came out of left field. Um, I'm surprised at how much accessories they released for this thing and how much mm-hmm. like, cause like at first I was like, all right, cool. We got the Astro city mini. Wait, we got the, the stool and the thing separately. Now a controller and a, a joystick. And it's like, what? And then they have a pink one. And then they have a soundtrack. And then it's like tons tons yep. of things. It yep. just continues going on. I'm surprised about that. But uh, you? Yeah. Well, for me, I was just like, God damn it. Because <laughs> I was thinking it. about all the money that the Game Gear Micro was worth. Uh... And then I'm like... I want this. I want that. And, you know, the thing is, is, like, we don't get Sega consoles anymore. So this stuff is all we're going to get. I'm going to go all in. You know? Is that the conversation so, you had with your wife? You're like, I'm all in. No. no. That convers- I've never had that conversation. Oh, really? I don't plan to. Well. <laughs> Secret. Secrets and lies. Oh, good. Um, good. So... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, model it's modeled after 1993's Astro City. It came preloaded with 37 games, and it stayed true to the multi-purpose nature of the original, with the games spanning several different arcade boards. So this kind of made me really understand the Astro City Mini, having gone through these notes and really realized that, yeah, you you could see an Astro City playing a game from the 80s, just as much as you could see it playing Virtua Fighter. It's just all in how the arcade operators, you know, set it up. Um, but for you, so having spent a week with the Mini, or maybe a few days, I'm not sure how much you've been playing it, um, what are the highlights for you, and did you discover any new games that you are now a fan of? Um, the highlights for me were probably were probably be that they have all the Wonder Boy games, or at least a few of them. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. I also thought that they have the both, like I said, the two alien games are cool. And that, I feel like these, the alien syndrome and was the other one, alien, uh, storm, storm. There you go. Um, both these games are yeah. totally different from each other. Like one's a beat em up and one's like a Shinobi ripoff or, uh, and it's like, they're, they're totally different, but they have like the same vibe. And it was the same thing with crackdown and, um, cyber, uh, what's the other one called? There's another one that has like an 80s aesthetic. It's the top down. There's like a top down oh. one and there's the, uh, it's like Crackdown and Cyber Police or something. Or ESWAT. There you go. Um, both these games, mm-hmm. are like I like that, that they had those two games. Um, I also 
really appreciate Wonder Boy more, the first one, knowing that it was a System 1 game. I didn't know that. I was like, whoa, okay. So that game was super ahead of its time in design-wise. Um, as far as brand new games, I never played um, Sonic Boom, <laughs> Fire and Ice yeah, on here. right. Yeah, I never played that one. I never played um, the Scramble Spirits. I knew it was a game, and, but I've never played it, and I used to be into shoot 'em ups but I just heard that nobody played it and it kind of went under the radar and I never tried mm-hmm. it because it reminded me a lot of 1942 or whatever this, uh, the Capcom game, which I'm assuming they were trying right. to copy, but yeah, that's a new one. And I also like the Bonanza bros universe games they have in here, you know? Yeah. I, I will say that, um, the mega drive mini turned me on to the puzzle and action games mm-hmm. And there's, you know, some lost in translation, but once you really get going, it's kind of like uh, WarioWare. Pretty much. Where you just get these crazy mini games just tossed at you. And it's, some are frustrating, but by the time you're frustrated, you're moving on to the next one. Um, Sonic Boom was a surprise for me because it was always the game I would make jokes about <laughs> when I was like, hey, I, guys, I'm really enjoying Sega's Sonic Boom. It's a great game. I don't know why people make fun of it and then i'd show like a screenshot from it and they're like oh we thought you were talking about the sonic the hedgehog sonic boom and it's like you know i get all those twitter likes people love me um yeah but i i'm impressed by the machine i'm impressed by the game variety and i'm impressed too that sega made this without m2 you know oh yeah Um, i forgot about that it, it i remember early on people were going oof I just learned that M2 is not working on it. I'm really concerned. Well, I mean, outside of... Was that game that had supposedly a glitch? You're probably going to mention Quartet, Quartet so 2. Quartet 2 has a glitch where platforms do not appear and you cannot make it through this one section. However, it's in level 15, and I don't think most, if anybody who owns this machine, is ever going to make it that far. It's like, it's an insanely hard game. I don't think the continue system is very forgiving. So even with unlimited credits, you're going to be dead eventually. <laughs> so it's not, I mean, it sucks. It does but suck. it's not like... No excuse, right? But like, it does, like, you didn't test the thing. It kind of makes me, uh, you know, you know, it kind of made me nervous when I heard about that on Twitter. So the first thing I did was like, mm. play Revenge of Death Adder and like, I, I don't know if you've tried playing in an emulation, but it's literally unplayable. There's a bunch of glitches. The sound sucks. Right. Yep. It chops up. It plays super smooth mm-hmm. on this. And I was like taking a deep breath going, ah, that's all I needed to know. Right. <laughs> that's all I needed. Yeah, yeah. Revenge. I would say Revenge of Death Adder and Arabian Fight are the two like gems of this. Because they are two games that stutter in emulation and just don't feel right. Um, also, I mean, Cotton was yeah. a big surprise for me. Uh, some of these games, if you ha- with the Unlimited Continues, you can play through all of them. Other ones you can't. They like boot you out and make you enter your initials. But I believe Cotton, you could probably play all the way through. One that really disappointed me, though, was um, Alex Kidd. Oh, what? I think it's Alex Kidd in The Lost Stars. It's not the worst game, dude, but like, why would you put an Alex Kidd game in an arcade? Like, who... <sighs> Who in the right mind goes, it's, remember Alex Kidd from arcades? No one. I've never heard anyone say right, that. Exactly. It's like Sonic the Hedgehog so, might as well. I think, by and large, it's a great collection of games. There's lots of variety. I'm not bothered by... I can't think of anything really that's missing that bothers me. 
Uh, you mentioned Wonder Boy. I think it's really cool that when you, if you were to have the uh, Mega Drive Mini from Japan and this, you pretty much got almost the entire like Wonder, Wonder Boy, Boy universe catalog yeah. there, except for the Master System titles. Mm. Um, so that's kind of nice. Uh, moving on here, then you mentioned there were several accessories. There was the uh, style kit with the base stool and a marquee a joystick, and a controller. You said you have the style kit, correct? Yeah, I bought the style kit, and honestly, now that you know, we know that the USB controllers are locked to just Astro stuff, I would have just bought the, mm-hmm. I would have just bought in two controllers to be honest with you because it's like right. the cost difference is like I think you would I would have paid like ten dollars maybe twenty dollars more um, mm-hmm. by just just to upgrade it. Um, but I do love the style kit. I mean, it makes it it gives it that full arcade look you know for with the bottom you know and uh, mm-hmm. instead of just being the, the i like it i like the way it looks so aesthetically like for us it's cool but if if anybody out there is going to buy uh they have limited money and they can only buy either the style kit or two controllers get the two controllers 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah and I I have everything but the style kit right now because I ordered a deluxe version that comes with the it. The big boy one. I would say the yeah, the big boy one which will show off here next. I think the controllers are nice. They feel really good. It's unique. It's like it's it's unlike any other Sega controller I've held. So with that in mind, it's it's fun to have. It's a good two-player item too if you're looking to like bring this but not cart along the big arcade stick Mm. uh speaking of the arcade stick i think it's very solid i heard it's my preferred way to play i heard it's heavy as shit it's heavy as hell i love it (laughs) it's so heavy um it's just it's it's cool i like it i have no real complaints about it um of course i haven't tried it on anything else and from what i hear you can use it on pc but you can't use it on the uh, Mega Drive Mini, which kind of sucks. Yeah, but, they should have allowed that. Like, it's it's solid. I love it. Um, I would recommend. I would recommend the base machine for people who are like really a big fan of Sega arcade games. For sure, it's very easy to get. It's still out there. Like, I was surprised it hasn't sold out yet. You can buy them still. Uh, Amazon Japan, I think. 120 or 30 plus 20 dollars shipping you know 150 that's not terrible um then of course we have i have a screenshot here from our twitter account oh i've heard of those um, guys there were what's that i said i've heard of those guys sega bits i heard of those guys <laughs> right yeah uh so this is showing off some uh, store exclusives including an impressive dx set from ebton which comes with that style kit it also comes with a floor mat, arcade tokens, a frame, and an ashtray. Yeah, I, I uh, and then Amazon. I love. I, well, they don't call. I love the mat and I love the ashtray, and I'm super jealous you got it. Like that's that's sick. I know <laughs> it's gonna be so fun. And then I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have that. And then I'm gonna. I mean, technically, I'm gonna not technically. I'm actually gonna have two Astro City minis. I'm actually gonna resell the other one, but I'm gonna wait because right now. People are selling them for retail price, so what's the point? Yeah. You know? um, but I could, you know, put the model kit and then the second model kit I'm getting, and then I could put alternate Astro City Mini, 
model kit, Astro City mini model kit, I could have a row of four machines it's and then exactly. look like a boss. Uh, you take so... some of the best Twitter uh, <laughs> screenshots of action figures playing arcades. Oh my god! Oh, imagine the likes and the retweets. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty exciting. Amazon had special shirts too. Oh yeah, um, which are insanely expensive, like yeah. fifty dollars with shipping. I didn't, not worth it. I didn't pick opinion. it. I didn't pick one up, and I didn't really like the designs that much. I they've done some cool designs in the past, you know, but this one is just yeah. it's just all right. Not worth fifty yeah, for sure. Uh, then there's also a soundtrack CD, which I did pick up, and I, I think it's really cool. It's um, the menu music, which you love. The oh, beep, my God. Beep, Dude, beep, beep, beep. imagine. But, um, it, it, I love Hero. I love his music. He's the guy that did Outrun and Space Harrier, for people that don't know. Did yeah, the men, yeah. main menu music, but it's like not good to have on a unit like this that I felt like was, was kind of aimed at like office, like an office toy for people that used to play at the uh, in arcades, you know, like office workers. Mm. And it's like, can you imagine trying to sneak in a game, right? And you're like, oh man, I'm just sneak it in real quick. You turn it on, it's all beep beep beep. That that song like blaring, and it's like right too much. And then it, and they should have had a hardware uh, mute button or like a little uh, volume button mm. manually. But yeah, that's that's like, I'm sure it was going to cost more for them, and that's why they didn't do it. But. It's not the hugest right. deal. Yeah. Outside of that, though, the soundtrack CD is really cool. It has new arrangements of classic songs that are from games on the Astro City Mini. Mm. Uh, like, uh, I think Magical Sound... No, Magical Sound Shower isn't there, obviously. The Fantasy Zone uh, theme is there, and it sounds so cool. So, um, you know, hit a friend up if they own one. Look online, or you can buy the CD yourself. It's a cool little item to have. Uh, finally, we have here the, I mean, if you thought the DX pack was like the premium item, no, the premium item was actually a Sega Toys exclusive pink button variant of the mini, which could be had with either, I believe you can only buy it with either a pink arcade stick or a pink controller. But you want all so of it. So if you want to get everything... <laughs> If you want all of it, you got to buy two of these, and they were so expensive. Because I mean, look, you're you're dropping three hundred bucks, and then you're dropping like two hundred bucks, and then you're probably using a proxy service because I don't think they ship to America. I mean, I see people reselling these for like eight hundred bucks. I believe, and it. I'm I kind of feel for them because they're probably trying to get their money back. You know, like yeah, man, it's cool looking though. But in the end. The, the little add-on is just a little plastic bit, so it's like you're not really losing out on much, even though it would be fun to have. Uh, the stick and the buttons, they look cool, but again, the only difference is the pink button. Um, and I'm pretty sure you could replace the buttons on the arcade stick if you're savvy enough, so... You're going to trade you know, it? I mean, not... You're going to trade one? You're going to have two of them, and then you're going to put the pink ones and tell people it's the pink one, and you're like, yeah, no big deal. I used to that live would in be Japan. fun. I I would love to have the pink arcade stick just as a player too, but I don't have any friends, so what's the point? They should have done. You know? They should have done a. Uh, they should have done a double pack where you would be able to buy it with a pink unit and the and the green unit for people that really wanted both yeah. of them. You know, a me and her, a, a me and her version. You know, for the romantic <laughs> people out there. I'm a, I'm I'm using the pink though. Of she course, can use the green. that's what I meant. I mean, of course. Yeah. 
yeah. So, you know, the Astro City Mini, it was a fitting capper to Sega's 60th, a project that celebrates the company's arcade history and also, in a way, celebrates the home console history by creating a new piece of home card hardware for fans. And what more, the collaboration was between Sega and Sega Toys, which shows that Sega still has the resources to create hardware for the home, even if it's a plug-and-play console. So, George, do you have any final thoughts on candy cabinets and the stuff we discussed before we roll into the Patreon memories? I do not have much to say about candy cabinets. Outside of that, candy cabinets is a terrible name, and we need to change it. Something (laughs) cooler, you know? But... Right, because I mean, you got so many sweaty hands touching those machines. I doubt they're sweet. They're probably salty. Yeah, you know, <laughs> salty cabinets. <laughs> salty cabinets. Uh, so, like I said, if you guys support us on Patreon at any level, your memories will be shared at the end of the show. We have two uh, all stars here sharing their thoughts. We have Nicholas Schaefer. He says, "Wow, there are so many." Oh, and I, I asked uh, people to share not only their memories of these machines, but, like, any Sega arcade games, because obviously we didn't have these in America or in the West. So, Nick, uh, he says, While there are so many memories, but probably my favorite is the Star Wars Trilogy Cabinet. As a kid, I would spend hours playing it. At the time, I didn't even realize it was made by Sega, but when I noticed as an adult, it just made so much sense that an arcade game this good had come from Sega. Well, of course. Uh, never before or since has a game so encapsulated Star Wars for me. Another are, uh, Sega arcade that is really special to me is Daytona, of course. I am not typically good at racing games, but this one sucked me in, and when I saw Sonic carved into the mountain, <laughs> I became obsessed with it. I agree. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet moment. Uh, Arthur Brown here, he said, I don't have too many arcade memories because I'm more of a console person. Don't kill me. Well, we will kill you. Sorry. <laughs> with kindness. Um, no, we won't. <laughs> but, uh, however, I do distinctly remember going to a local bowling alley with the Daytona USA game there. I remember hearing the Daytona USA song looping over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Uh, still, and having it etched into my memory forever. I did play it, and I found the whole experience to be so much fun, even though I lost horribly. I'm not sure I should have shared that, however, I'm not sure that I probably have had experiences like that with other Sega arcade games, um, even without knowing it. P.S. Love the podcast, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. And then I also wanted to just do a little shout-out. We did have... um, a few new patrons. Do I have their names here? How does a Patreon work? It just shows. Like, does How it, does a Patreon like, work? Do, do, does it show you the new people in the list? Like, or are they like hiding behind uh, some menus? I was gonna ask you. I was gonna say like people like that like they're like oh I remember going to this place right and like um, mm-hmm. I remember this Sega arcade game. Can you imagine like some of the people out there that have like bad memories where like. The girlfriend broke up with them, and in the background, it's like, hey, 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 it's crazy taxi. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could... Oh, God. Well, yeah, maybe they're not Sega fans anymore. <laughs> um, I, d- I just did want to give a shout-out to some of our new patrons. So, Arthur Brown, um, he is a new patron. Uh, he shared his memory there. We also have the mysteriously named H, the letter H, Mr. H or Mrs. H. I... 
scared. Uh, and then we have Joe, who is also a new patron. So, you know, welcome to the club. Uh, feel free to share your comments, even if you have no memories. I kind of like when people are, like, sharing their thoughts on things that they have absolutely nothing to say. Because <laughs> typically it's, it's pretty funny to read. But, hey, that's our show. Thanks for watching, guys. George, what are we talking about next time? Is it a Patreon pick? Oh, uh, yeah. I have uh, Tyler told me that he wanted to do Bayonetta. Ooh. So I'm sure we're going to have a lot of talk oh. about that sexy, sexy game. So see you guys Oof. on episode number 62 with Bayonetta. Bye. Peace. Oh, I can't wait for Bayonetta. <laughs>